Welcome to Putting the Real in Real Estate, the podcast about all things real estate, all things local, and all things life, where we hope to inform, entertain, and inspire. What's up, everybody? Glenn Hawkersmith here, episode 18 of Putting the Real in Real Estate. I want to thank you, as always, for taking some of your precious time out of your day to listen to me and this guy. If you are watching on YouTube, you can see the the infamous bearded one, uh, the infamous infamous Mr. Lincoln Crum with Lincoln Crum Realty and Auctions and other various, uh, um, what would you say, other various uh, hustles. hustles. Yeah, what's going on, Lincoln? Hey, man. Good morning. Thanks for joining us again. We are uh, we're gonna sit down and just kind of talk about this this crazy market we're in and and a theme that you kind of uh came up with move with the market Mm -hmm. so we're going to talk about how agents can survive this crazy crazy time that we're in and we're going to talk a little bit about how buyers and sellers can adjust to to what's going on here and uh talk about the future and uh lincoln you always bring the heat I didn't really prepare a whole lot today because I don't feel like I have to when you're when you're here. So I did. I've been up since six obsessing <laughs> about it. So we're gonna we're gonna let you roll. What's on your mind, yeah. man? Hey, man. Good morning. Uh, I think the first thing we talk about are statistics, and I do want to talk um, a good part to our consumer community locally, at least, and you know, give the disclaimer that whatever we talk about really adheres to just Southern Indiana and Louisville, Kentucky, right? Um, cause I don't know what's happening in Chicago or East coast, or I'm soon to learn about what's happening in the Maryland coast as far as real estate, but out West, I don't know. And that's what we get a lot of our national media on is what's happening nationally. But what we're here to talk about today is locally. So how the agents can move with the market and how these buyers and sellers, and you know, it's impacting the buyers and sellers a lot more than it is as agents. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The agents. Oh, I missed out on a deal in a $4,200 commission. The buyers are like, we're the fifth um, offer in 12 hours and we still didn't get it. And it creates real confusion. And because it is a new element to our market, at least for most everybody that's in the business now, it's hard for agents to explain what's happening beyond, oh, it's just a seller's market. It's a low inventory market. And your sellers and buyers are left with not a real good pitch on what's happening. And then they're listening to the national stuff. It just creates a real sense of panic and anxiety for people. And um, I, like you, and a lot of other really great agents out here in our market um, are working hard to, I think, um, try to communicate what's happening to everybody, not only other agents, but to the consumer who is the most important person in the transaction. Absolutely. And it's, it's causing a lot of frustration. Um, if you're someone who's a first time home buyer or someone who can't afford the new, you know, new construction for $500,000 home, it's, uh, it's very frustrating, um, to know that you can go out and, you know, people are having to write offers for thousands and thousands of dollars over asking price and still get beat out. Um, yeah. If you are financing with FHA or VA right now, it's especially FHA, you might as well just hang it up. Not, not to say that it's impossible, but... But it, it what that does is it puts more weight 
on your, as the consumer, your advocate in this business. And your advocate in this business is your agent. And if that agent um, is willing to work hard and smart enough, they will figure a way to get that FHA offer accepted. But they're going to have to work their asses off to do that. It does not magically appear. 20, 15, 20 years ago, you can get in the business with a brand new GPS, you know, and a car that runs, and you could sell pretty much anybody with a heartbeat a house. That's not not the case now. Right. And and also our jobs as agents is sometimes telling someone, you know what? You may be better off waiting six months or yeah. a year, get your credit built up, save a little bit more money, you know, if you have to figure out a way to generate some more income. Um, obviously that's not, that's not what we want to tell someone because we want to earn a living. We want to make a commission, but guess what? Our job is to put their best interest above ours. And sometimes that's, that's the, uh, that's the advice you have to give someone. You know, dude, I would rather sell somebody a house two years from now, a year from now, than never sell them a house. Right. And, and that, that, that makes me think of a couple of things. And one of them, the first top of mind thing is, um, you weren't in the business in 2008 to 11, 12, and um, some of us were, a select few still. Um, but that was a different market, and people are saying, this market's a lot worse than it was 10 years ago. No. No. No, it's not. It's not. Because now we got to tell a buyer, I'm sorry, you missed out on an offer. And we'll keep looking. And we may not find you one for six months or a year. That's easier to tell somebody than look somebody in the eye and say, I'm sorry, your house is getting foreclosed on and you have to move out. And I don't have a solution for you of where you're going to move. And you're going to lose everything. Compare those two elements of those two markets from 10, 12 years ago to today. Today's no comparison. Yeah, I mean, my biggest frustration right now is is talking to potential sellers who want to sell their home. And the biggest issue now is they're afraid to list because they don't want to be homeless because they're right. scared. They will not find a place to go. And that's very frustrating. I've, I've talked to five or six potential sellers probably in the past couple of weeks and none of them have turned into listings yet just yeah. for that reason or other various reasons. And, and it's frustrating, know, but it's nothing like what you're talking yeah. about, you know, telling someone, Hey, uh, you're going to be out of your house. Well, and as we shift, that's enough about the old market. Let's talk about this market. As we shift into this market, which is technically a um, a seller's market or a low inventory market, it gives more power in the negotiation to the seller than the buyer. Um, I like to tap back from way long ago in a microeconomics class where I learned about the elasticity of supply and demand, and that's what's happening. The elasticity is being pulled apart from supply and demand, and if you pull it apart long enough, boom, it snaps back, like it did 12, 13 years ago. And uh, in the past, we've always had new construction as a go-to. We don't have new construction as a go-to in this market. You know, I think Clark County 6,000, 6,000 housing units short right now. And new construction, everything's 200 and over. And so... Soon to be 300 and over. Soon to be. Soon to be. And so that drives the existing market up. But if somebody's selling an existing house, they're like, you know what? I'm finally in a position in my life where I want to buy a new construction. Well, they can't because there's none available. So 
you know, in this market that we're now, people like, I hear a lot of loan officers starting to rumble, talk about stated loans, which I haven't seen that as much, but I'm not a loan officer. Um, the difference stated is, income, stated mm-hmm. income, um, money's not loose like it has been, though. It's cheap, it's cheaper than it's ever been, right? Historically, but it's, it's not loose. And so, um, if we do see a, this market shift into something else, you know, I hear people say, when are these prices going to come down? And I got to laugh <clears throat> because we finally caught up with our market. Right. When it comes to pricing. So I've been doing this. This is my seventh five-year cycle. And I think about my real estate business and auction business in five-year segments. So it's my, going in my seventh five-year cycle. God, I'm old. And um, <laughs> every year, every time, every one of those cycles, from the beginning of that five to the end, Houses have appreciated in our market 2 to 3% on average, some of them 20, 30% in the most recent one. So that's just telling you it was catching up. And everyone, our prices maintain. So from 08 to 13, well, 13 prices were coming back. We had gone through, got most of the foreclosure inventory out in our local market and got it repurposed to either flips and uh, rentals or upgraded homes for people. And every time, Glenn, the prices maintain. So to think that in the next five years, there's going to be a bubble and these prices are going to deflate. I just, I personally, depends on inflation, but I really don't see that happening here. I don't either. And people ask me all the time, um, ah, it just seems like a bubble. It's going to crash. I think I might wait until it crashes. And I tell them, listen, I don't, it's, this, first of all, this is different than 08. 08 was driven by a lot of, of, speculation mm-hmm. it was driven by a lot of not sure. not so smart lending that was going on mm-hmm. this is purely driven by a lot of preying by lenders on buyers right Make no mistake <laughs> and i had a lot of friends that are in this business mm-hmm. but a lot of predatory lending and that's not the case now sure sure so we're looking at extremely high demand caused by low interest rates um millennials are in the market now. They're the yeah. largest home buying segment in the market right now and extremely low inventory. And that's, I don't see that changing anytime soon because yes, new construction has geared up, but it's struggling. It's not moving fast enough to meet the demand. And you've got crazy skyrocketing material prices. Lumber is, uh, I think I saw yesterday it closed on Friday. Lumber futures closed at $1,500 per thousand board feet which is quadruple what they normally are this time of year um maybe lumber has got a new price in the market you know i hear uh, my builder friends and clients and investors talk about i'll be glad when lumber comes back down i'm like y'all talking to the same people about these real estate prices coming down i just, i don't i man i don't see that happening yeah and you know I, it's funny I, I posted a link yesterday about the lumber prices and and uh past client of mine he says yeah but i can't figure out why i go into lowe's or home depot and they're fully stocked there's plenty of lumber available and i said well i think that's because the 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 construction industry is driving that demand where yeah maybe joe blow who wants to build a new deck on his house isn't because he can't afford to right now and that's probably why you see plenty of lumber available in your home centers but well and also a fish only grows as big as as their bowl. So if this person is only going in Home Depot, Lowe's, and Menards, 
they're not able to see the whole entire market. Sure. You know. No, that's a good point. That's and a good statistics, point. Statistics. Let's talk about statistics. Where are we today versus twelve months ago? So twelve months ago, we were early May, uh, twenty twenty. We were deep into the the early thralls of this crazy pandemic that we've all been living through. Some living. <laughs> um, how many homes did we have a year ago on the market? Do you know? Did you look that I, up? I don't know that number right was, off the top of my head. I think it was uh, less than. Uh, Less than 900, but more than 800. So somewhere around yeah, 50. I know. So so Indiana Association of Realtors put out a stat last week. Okay. And we are down, um, in March, we were down 57% of listing inventory from last year, which we were already low last year. And we're year. currently at 288. Yeah. 288 active listings in, in Cyrus, Southern Indiana Realtors Association. And Clark, just Clark and Floyd County which is the main meat of our business, 181 active listings as of this morning. Um, in Louisville, uh, Greater Louisville Association of Realtors, total 1,012 listings. Jefferson and Oldham County, we're at 697. So that's... That's probably th an 800,000 population. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we were scared when we only had 800, not, let's call it a year ago, 900 listings and today, uh, 300 uh, active listings in Syrah. So we're at a third. There's something happened in our local Southern Indiana Realtor Association membership, though, since the pandemic hit. What's that? Yeah, so it's grown. It we went grown. from, what, uh, just around 1,000 to uh, 1,200? Uh, under 850, I Okay, think. and I don't. I haven't seen these numbers, but according to to someone who's in the know, yeah. yeah. Shout out to uh, our dear friend Todd Paxton, Mr. Paxton. Stats on the way here, he goes, "Hey, talk about this," and uh, you know, eleven hundred realtors, and so we've grown three hundred plus realtors, um, but our listing inventory is a third of what it was. So it goes it goes to one listing for every three realtors, and why that happen? you think well people keep hearing about how great the market is mm -hmm. and the pandemic hit people are looking for alternatives um to their jobs mm -hmm. um hey this is a great option for me i can go sell real estate make a ton of money i can work from home so they go and they get their real estate license it's not very hard to get your real estate license you the test isn't easy no it but isn't. it's it's 600 bucks for the class and you're done you know, if you take it online, you can be done as quick as you want. Yeah. If you take it in person, it's a three-month course usually. So it's very, it's not hard. The bar is pretty low to get your real estate license. And the reason to choose is, one, that it is low cost and low time entry. And the pandemic hit. I'm like, you know what? I lost my job. I've always wanted to sell houses. So the first person that when somebody gets nearly licensed that they want to call and be so excited about, you know who that is? Let me guess. Their Does own, he have a... <laughs> go, go ahead. Their own realtor. <laughs> like, <clears throat> I'm going to get in the business. Aren't you excited for me? And I'm like, yeah, I'm excited. But man, how many of this do we need? Right. And, um, you know, a third of the people are getting in the business. A third Wait, are working. Is that why you told me to get into commercial real estate when I came to you and told you I was getting into real estate? <laughs> yes, it is. 100%. <laughs> 
Yes. It is. Sorry, go ahead. It is. What can I say? I'm here to protect my business. Right. My clients are my clients, right? Um, I just know I could do something that for you all that hadn't been done in a very tricky, crazy market. Um, but agents love to do that because they're like, well, you know, that was such a good experience. I could do that. And to me, that's an honor to your own agent. Um, but a third are getting in, a third are working it, and a third are getting out. And unfortunately, I'm closer to the end third than the beginning third. But you've got it in the middle, and that's what we're, this surgence of new agents, that will work themselves out. Because what will happen is they'll spend more than they're going to make because you have to do three transactions to really make it your, as you get started. Um, you have to, or financially, you won't make it, or someone will. You will supplement that, so you get part-time agents. But the market is tough. It's not an easy market to navigate with all these multiple offers and all this extra client communication. The way clients communicate with us is different than it's been. It's still as strong as it was 10 years ago when if you know some information about my deal at 9 o'clock at night, I want you to call me. Right. You know, and and we have to roll with that as as agents, or we have to set parameters and expectations. Well, and, and just going back to the numbers, uh, the the agent numbers growing, but the listings decreasing. So I pulled this up this morning. I I pulled up the top one thousand realtors in Syrah okay. ranking report. Well, only six hundred eighty four of those twelve hundred or whatever it is have actually closed a deal this year. And it's May. We're almost halfway through the year. Yeah. And most of those haven't closed many deals. It may be one or two. Yeah. Um, so that tells you right there where we're going. I, I can't imagine that some of these people who just got into the business thinking they're going to make a ton of money. And here they're sitting in May or June and they've closed one deal or no deals. I can't imagine how much longer they're going, <laughs> going to be able to last. Yeah. Or, you know... I had my I had my best year ever last year, yep. and I'm looking at my goals that I set for myself this year, and looking at where I'm at, I'm like, whoa, I got a, I got a lot to do. <laughs> yeah, and you know, um, you you got a market to deal with that we can sit here and predict it and talk about it all we want and be think we're local experts, but it's like a tornado sometimes. Yeah, you know, it bounces on us. Well, and another thing, I mean, a little secret: if you represent a new a builder right now, you're doing pretty good. But those of us who don't, we're not having, uh, we're not setting the world on fire this year, are yeah. we? New construction definitely moves the market. I was in the new construction segment from 04 to um, about 2010, and I got enough for a life full. I learned enough lessons, made enough mistakes, realized how that industry really works enough to realize that I'm okay if I don't sell a whole lot of new construction. <laughs> Just it is what it is. Yeah, the grass isn't always greener, is it? But, you know, uh, talking about um, how agents get through this, it's um, my dad always says said this back in the day. When the market moves, you got to find a niche and fill it, Right. So if you are just a buyer's agent for real estate only, you are going to starve. Find something else within the industry that you like, whether it is appraisals, uh, admin work, listing prep work, co-listing agent stuff, auctions. I do a ton of auctions. Um, 
there are so many segments in the mortgage industry, segments in this business, closing attorneys, that is all based around real estate. And if you get into it because you like real estate and you like people, then work within the industry. If you're getting in the real estate industry as a realtor to make money, um, and that's your sole purpose, you should just go ahead and check your coat at the door and leave. Well, and I, I think that that applies to just about anything you get into, but especially real estate. If, if that's your number one motivating factor, you're, you're in the wrong business. Now, if you get into it because you want to help people mm-hmm. and that's your passion, then you're going to excel and you're, the money will come. Yeah. Um, as long as you treat people right. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, um, shifting, talking to, about agents to consumers, consumers have never had this much information at their fingertips ever. And that's going to change. I think Todd Paxton again, and I talk about how this business is going to change over the next, oh, I don't know, uh, 12 to 24 months. It's technology and compensation and valuation is probably going to change more in the next 24 months than it has the last 20 years. And if you are not braced for that, in this industry, uh, it's, it's, it's going to hurt. You're going to get knocked down. I've been knocked down a bunch. It's no fun. He's just keep getting back up. Right. But that's what this industry is right now to people and consumers. So consumers can use that to their advantage. I always tell every consumer I talk to buyer or seller, please be loyal to the real estate person that you know, and has earned your business in the past. And, um, you know, we, we have the whole Zillow thing and the, uh, information that's available that's not always correct. And so we see that in the auction business a lot. People go on eBay, so well, it's listed on eBay for this, or the china was listed for this, or the, you know, the glassware, or that antique cupboard was listed for this. Why well, was it was listed? That doesn't mean it's sold. Right. And the Zillow information and all the other, those, you know, that like to populate value, it's it's not the same. So we as agents have to let our consumers know that, we do this for a living. We invest a lot of money in our education and our time, and that's valid. Let me show you why the market's doing what it's doing and not let the consumer lead the conversation because the consumer's only informed with, even though it's a small amount, of the information that's not firsthand. Right. And to be involved in a transaction and work through with your buyers and your sellers and the agents and the attorneys and the loan officers and the inspector and the appraiser and the underwriter that nobody ever gets to talk to. You need somebody fighting for you as an advocate, and the consumers that understand that usually do the best. They usually get the properties they want. You do, and there's a perception out there right now, I think, that because of the market is the way it is, well, we don't really even need a realtor right now. We can yeah. just stick a sign in the yard. and. But really, I feel like our jobs have become even more important because it's not that simple. There's some crazy. There's crazy stuff going on out there. Um, yeah, there is. People are squirrely. Buyers are squirrely. They're making, they're making high pressure decisions. Yeah. Um, they're making quick decisions. Yeah. And then once, once all that fog settles and they realize what they've just done, they have second thoughts. Um, and there are some agents out there who are are telling buyers to waive inspections, waive just appraisals. Don't, 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 don't worry about the inspection. Yeah. Until you have to. Exactly. You know? Um, and that makes it tough for consumers. It's not fair to the consumers for us not to, to you know, have that 
conversation with them about the things that are really the most important. Right. And just kind of going back to that, you get people who are having regret. And so I don't think your average consumer, your average home seller knows how to work through something like that, how to work through that, that, that process. And I, I don't know if they understand what their, what their rights are, what their obligations are, what the buyer's rights are, what the buyer's obligations are. Um, yeah, they have the, they have Google as their, right. You know, problem solver, kind of like WebMD. as we get older and you get frozen shoulder. It doesn't take long to be on WebMD and right. pretty much diagnose yourself <laughs> with bone cancer. So all this information sometimes is not good if it's not directly related to the market and you have a firsthand experience and it gets you in trouble. Absolutely. And, and the market is, it's so local as well. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, we are in an extreme seller's market here all over the country, really. But I listed a home over in Louisville back in November thinking, hey, this thing's going to sell quick. My client thought, hey, this thing's going to sell quick. Now it wasn't in exactly a desirable neighborhood. And we just closed on that thing last month. We yeah. had, it, just because it's the overall market is, is great as a seller's market doesn't mean your home and your particular neighborhood and your particular situation is going to be the same. Yeah. You know? So there's a lot of intricacies. It's not, it's not one rule that applies to everything. No, you it know? does not. No, and to try to navigate through it and put all the pieces together, you know, and still maintain a life of balance, both as the consumers and industry people, you know, balance is the key for me. And um, <clears throat> I haven't had a whole lot of balance in the past because it's just go, 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 sell, 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 you know, do all you can, take care of your clients. And uh, at some point, this industry will, it'll give you some signs and make you slow your ass down, mm-hmm. ready or not. And uh, the auction business has done that to us. And that was the niche that I had filled. I'd always been the live cry auctioneer, you know, 20, now 25, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 110, now 120. Those I knew he'd fit that in here somewhere. You have to, man. I'm an auctioneer. <laughs> it's in my DNA. But, and we shifted that five, six years ago to be online. And that was the smartest auction decision I'd ever made. And I don't always love the auction business because of the daily grind of cleaning out people's basements that don't want to clean it out or their kids don't want to clean it out. Um, and it's real simple to me. I tell them either you clean it out or you pay me to clean it out. Mm-hmm. We can figure that out for you. But I found a hole. I found an area that needed a filling, and that's what we're doing. 600 of them in the past five years. It's crazy. Um, and that's what other agents need to do. You know, and whether that's uh, find somebody that does something in the business that's interesting to you, a commercial agent, you know, an appraiser, and learn about their part of it. And that's just like tools, right? Every farmer, farmers have the best tools, and those that take care of their tools usually have the highest yield, which creates the highest profit. And if they know how to use their tools, and to think that you don't need tools in this industry is a mistake. So learn how auctions work. Learn how appraisals work. Learn how all those uh, the home inspection stuff. Shadow a home inspector for one inspection and just watch. They'd love to talk to you about what they do. And um, the more you can do that, the niches that you need to fill will be filled. It will happen. 
Um, but you have to be real attentive towards that happening. I wanted to ask you about trends. What do you think is going to happen in trends in both new construction and, you know, we have this whole new segment of flipper in the uh, flippers that are just change the market so much. You know, it's interesting because I feel like once again, going back to COVID and I hate harping on this. I think we're all tired of, we're tired of even hearing that word, but it's real. So, So, you know, I feel like trends collided. So we were going towards smaller homes. You know, the millennials are the biggest sector of the market. They don't want the large McMansion um, simplicity. Um, So we were going in that direction. Then COVID hits Mm -hmm. and everybody's stuck in their house. Like me, I'm stuck here with, or was stuck here with, with my wife and the five kids and trying to, you know, work from home and everybody's getting on each other's nerves. And now all of a sudden people want to spread out again. So they're looking for that house with more space. They're looking for the house with flex space, maybe an office or two offices Mm -hmm. and more outdoor space. Mm -hmm. So that trend I feel like has shifted all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting to see and think about, is that going to continue? Or once we kind of get through this, are we going to shift back? to going towards the, you know, smaller, less, less materialistic thinking. I think think it's very cyclical. I think the new construction industry is more predictable than the real estate industry with existing homes and locations and pricing. Um, Man, you know, you described my, I'm obsessed lately with the barndominium, barndo concept and uh, working with a, a couple folks on trying to, Bring the first one to the market. It reminds me of Dick Inman, who did the first group of patio homes over on Middle Road and Allison Lane at Middle Road Schoolhouse. And Dick Inman was a legendary person in our community. I loved him dearly. He was kind of a, a mentor to me. I'm lucky enough to have lunch with him every now and then as a new agent. And um, I learned and sold several of his patio homes. And they were the ones with the brick wall all the way around them. Mm-hmm. And old, older folks, my grandfather, but he grew up on a farm and lived on a farm. He like, I wouldn't live in a prison house. But there are folks that really wanted that security. And um, it really took off. And Dick caught a lot of hell early on for not, he, he was being too progressive. Right? Mm-hmm. He, was, he was a very progressive builder. And, and even though he really built a very standard three-bed, two-bath box, that's all he built, three-bed, one-bath. Um, but he made him creative. And Jane, his wife, did too. It's, I'm a big fan of them. And they're long gone. But they were super progressive in the style part of it. And that's what's going to happen in the new construction. You know, you see all the craftsman inventory that's being built. So different than 100 years ago. Arts and crafts movement was 1890 to 1940. The homes, the new trendy ones that we're seeing are exactly the Sears and Roebuck type homes that we had 100 years ago. That's easy to predict. It's easy for that cycle. The Barndos are probably the same way. We've lived in barns. We were living in barns before we were living in houses as humans. And um, the flex space that you talk about, I think is really important. And um, the aesthetic and the style of, of the simplicity of a, you know, 40 by 60 building, but you open it up and there's multiple living spaces and multiple zones area to where if you do have a kid that comes back home, you can have an apartment within, within, Stuff like that. I think it moves with our lifestyle. 
And I like it. I like thinking about things like that. And I'm not in the new construction business per se, but I sure like watching the industry just a little bit on the outside. Mm-hmm. And I think that's sometimes where you're a little more clear than if you're in it working it every day. And that's the other beauty of having a couple of different specialties is you don't get bored, right? If something shifts in one part of the segment of the market, then you have something else that you can ramp up. My 40s, my 30s, my 40s was, I couldn't get that right. I couldn't get how to flow with the market correct. And you can't without focus. Definitely can't do it without drive. And now I think you can balance. And that's, that's the market itself too. And agents will learn this. You know, our agent inventory will go up and down. The key though is for us to support each other and have an organization that looks out for us. That's 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 paramount because that's going to be the only thing that's going to save us from getting up, uh, eaten up and swallowed up by Zillow is we have to remain a very valid part of the conversation with our realtor associations locally and with our community. We have to do that. Let me ask you about that. You mentioned Zillow and I've, I've probably mentioned Zillow on every single podcast I've done, but you know, when this announcement came out that they bought showing time, everyone's freaking out. Oh my gosh, we got Zillow's is taking over. How do we stop this? And that's correct. What I figured out all of a sudden it just hit me. I was like, all these people are wasting so much time and energy worried about what Zillow's going to do. And I, I, it just hit me. I was like, stop worrying about what Zillow's going to do. Worry about what you're going to do. How are you going to set yourself apart? Because guess what? We have Amazon, right? Amazon's the biggest, one of the biggest companies in the world now. But yeah. guess what? There are still stores yeah. in our community. Yeah. There are still places where you can go and buy goods and, small and touch them and feel them. And a lot of, yes, there are. And, and there, there always will be. Yeah. There's going to be a lot less. It's going to be tougher. You're going to have to stand out. Or you're going to find small business owners like my daughter. Shout out to Lindsay Gallion, who makes these awesome tumblers. She rolls with the market. There you go. Sets up at shows, has the human element, but also is very based on selling right. and selling direct from her place. And that's that's what we're seeing. And like you said, find your niche. I mean, yeah, so it, the whole you time gotta... they're worried about Zillow and they're worried about the bubble bursting and they're worried about uh, the stated income loans and they're worried about everything. What's the con- What's the common thread in that? They're worried about shit that doesn't impact them that they have no impact on on a daily basis. And they have no control over. And no, zero. Big right. say control. Right? And it's that train's left the station. It's You're not going to stop that thing. Yeah. It's it's going to be what it's going to be. Um, the only thing you can worry about is, okay, so if Zillow is this big bad thing, let's think about what makes it a bad thing and what makes me a good thing. And as an I, alternative, and let me focus on that and yeah. figure out how to convey that to my clients. So use the same energy that you're using to worry about what Zillow and all these out-of-control, out-of-your-own-control entities are going to do and get really zoned in on yourself. Right. Mind your own business. And I think that's, the, I mean, that's a key in real estate, just overall in real estate. I mean, I, I think the hardest thing as realtors... um that it's the hardest thing to keep from doing is looking at what so-and-so is doing. Oh my gosh, he sold this much. Yeah. I've only sold this much and Oh, they've done this and they're doing that. It reminds me a lot of high school at JHS. Yeah. And that's, it's, it's a big thing in real estate Well, (laughs) and I'm guilty of it too. We talked about that a little bit earlier. Until you figure out 
that of all the realtors, the only people that really give up shit about realtors are other realtors. Right. Our consumers don't care. They don't. And I learned that the hard way through local politics. I thought everybody wanted to be involved. And everybody was, the only people that care is that 5% that are out there doing the grind every day. And whew, that's taxing. So worrying about all of that stuff will get you absolutely nowhere. And the whole time that you're doing that, you're going to have somebody else over here finding a niche and filling it. Right. One that you could have done, you know? Um, and that it's, we'll get through it. That's the beauty. None of this is permanent. It's all cyclical. It always changes, but everybody likes to predict what the change is going to be. And they spend more time predicting what the change is going to be than they could be spending the time being a part of that change. Right. Right. That's, that's, that's paramount. I think for people, um, what do you think trend wise is going to happen in our industry as realtors, as far as them building their brand and uh, staying front of mind? You know, that's kind of important to me to, to stay top of mind to people. I think. Um, How are we doing it? Are we doing it any different today than we were a year or even 10 years ago whenever you got in? I, what are we doing different? Well, and, and we've talked about this before, the whole social media thing. It's, it's. I feel like social media and and real estate go hand in hand now. Um, you can't you can't have you can't be in the business. I don't feel like unless you're just. Are you, on, you on TikTok yet? I have a TikTok account. All right. I, I have never ever posted a video, and I, I don't have. know if I ever will. To be honest with I've you, I've only got like twenty thousand views and a couple hundred followers. But I'm telling you, dude, it is. I'm looking you in the eye and telling you how awesome it is. I I'm I, a big fan. I love me some TikTok. I believe you. <laughs> he, well, and we talked about niches, right? Right. If but, that's your niche or niche, however you yeah, want to say it, yeah. then great. But but it's all about the video. It's all about staying in front of mind with people is about video. And I said that last time we met, and I said it 20 years ago. I said it 10 years ago. I really mean it. Um, TikTok's just one simple platform that allows that. But like I went back, I trolled through your last year of posts on Facebook. And you were fantastic about the content that you created because it was informative, really for the consumer more than anybody. That was impressive, not bragging to the other agents. But you had some creative video that wasn't fancy, wasn't overproduced. Let me tell you, to produce video today versus 10 years ago, it was really difficult. It was really difficult then compared to today. And you had that content in there. I think we're going to see more of that because it allows these eight Marco Polo. I don't, are you Marco Polo? Do you use Marco Polo? No, it's a lot of these new agents are using Marco Polo. One of the top oldest agents uses it like crazy. And he's like, man, I communicate with agents all the time on Marco Polo. And so I've started doing that and it gives you a video recount. It also gives you a chance to look somebody and have rapport with them more than a text and things like that are going to be what we as agents need to do to stay relevant. So TikTok's the extreme, of course. Um, Speaking of staying relevant, I've never even heard of Marco Polo until today. So really? that's something I've got to look into. Yeah, well, I will send you. The old man's to. educating me. Yeah, that's right. Oh, gee. Yeah, old oh, <laughs> grandpa. Well, that's okay. I'm a, I like to stay on the front of stuff. That's why I like, always like to ask agents, you know, um, what are you doing? What, what do you think is going to change? Well, and, and going back to video and everybody... I mean, it's 
you hear it over and over and over video, video, video. And a lot of people are out there doing it, but the, the hardest part is consistency, right? Mm-hmm. And I, that's, that's my struggle. And you know, the biggest myth is that, well, it's just, it's just free. It's just a matter of your own time. Mm-hmm. Just do it. Well, it's, it's not free because it's time you could be using it is. Doing something else. And it's a creative element and it's a technical element too. And not everybody thinks in both ways. So to do it yourself, that's, that's tough. But the video platform has become easier. Right. It has. And I appreciate you, time. you know, you talking about going through my timeline and, and you, you complimented me on that, but I'm disappointed in myself because let's talk about that plumbing video I did. Yeah. That was supposed to be one, the first in a, 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 a regular routine of, Hey, home improvement tips for, for homeowners. Guess what? What? I've done one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, the harder, I, yeah, it's the hardest part. It is. That's why it, you gotta you gotta sign your name to whatever God you believe in to do ten of something, right? So we started out our Lincoln Oscar County back in thirteen, that had uh, me and Kyle that filmed and edited all those. We started thinking we would do ten, and we were somewhere in the seventies area. So what you do is you just find your groove with it, and the content, the video content's timeless. You know, and you look about like you did when you were back in high school. So you're good for another 20 years. As long as you keep dyeing your hair and few, keeping your beard shaped. A few less hairs and a few more grays. Yeah, yeah. Right? A few but, more wrinkles. Um, it keeps you, it, it, you got to commit to doing those 10. And just like you got to commit, it's, you got to look at it the same way as I'm going to show property. But when it doesn't create the income directly back to you, it's a very long term investment. Um, when it doesn't create that income immediately like a closing does, uh, you're going to shift from doing the video to that. I've, ne- I've always tried to not do that. Since I picked up the video camera the first time in 09, I've always tried to create video content that people want to watch and it's timeless and it's in- informative um, because I know that will last a lot longer than when I'll be here. Yeah, this logo hopefully will be here longer, and I'll be here. Absolutely, it'll be. Yeah. Here. I mean, it, you put something out there on the internet; it's there forever. Yeah. Oh, uh, I do love when I have conversations with younger, younger people. You're like, I just delete it. <laughs> <laughs> mm. No, the ones and zeros don't let you just delete it. Right, right. And so you know, we've talked about consistency, and that's uh, once again that that's. Apply that to everything in life. I mean, if you have to be consistent at everything that you do to be successful. Yes. Um, and we talked about earlier before we started this authenticity. Oh yeah, man. That and if you're consistently inauthentic, (laughs) you're going to be consistently not trusted. Right. Right. Because um, we can judge a person quicker now than we ever have. So I always say, be the same person, you know, on your video, um, same person at home and the same person at the grocery store. And as long as you do that and you're consistent with that, um, your brand will remain that. But if you try to be something other than who you are, uh, you will become a character of yourself. Yeah. And, and to an extent, I, I, you know, I think we all, to an extent, if we're going to put something out to the public, obviously we're not going to expose, expose everything. You know, we're not going to talk the same way that we might talk in our home with our sure. wife or yeah, with our, no, totally. but as authentic as possible. Just be yourself. Yeah. Be yourself. Yeah, just be yourself. Um, I can't tell you how many times 
I run into a, a realtor and all you've only seen their pictures yeah. on their card or, or <laughs> on, on social media and you come into the room and you've never met them in person before and you don't even recognize them. I'm like, who is this person? It's crazy, right? And then you throw a mask on them and right. it just takes you forever. <laughs> That's why I always wear something with my my picture on it in case I forget who I am. Someday. <laughs> I don't think anybody's going to mistake you for who you are. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, you know, it's interesting the stats <clears throat> and what the agents can do, what the consumers do. Um, what are you going to do? What's this next 12 months look like for you and your business? And I don't know. What's, what's Glenn got? What you got, Daddy? So you're asking me personally? Uh, yeah, I was just talking about that with my wife last night and it's, I guess what I've struggled with this year is schedule. Yeah. Just keeping a, a, a schedule, keeping that, that mindset, that work mindset and keeping, you know, everyone talks about time blocking. Mm -hmm. Everybody, everybody talks about it. Not many people do it. Mm -hmm. Um, that's been my biggest struggle since COVID hit. It's like, you know. Everything just got thrown off, and and I've struggled get getting back into that mindset and staying there. Mm -hmm. So that's that's what I'm trying to focus on for the rest of this year. I'm focusing on listings. Um, I haven't we haven't really talked about this, and I'm going to do another podcast dedicated to this. But I I'm starting a team. Awesome. I've started a team, but it's it's in the early stages right now. I haven't you know really really put it out there, but. I'm going to focus on that. Um, I've already just kind of resigned myself. Not that I've resigned myself to not reach my goals that I set this year, but I've resigned myself to say, you know what, if I don't reach those personal goals that I set as far as volume mm -hmm. and number of units sold, because it's, it's just a different market. That's okay. Mm -hmm. I want to grow this team. I want to dedicate more time and more effort into this team and if, if I can make that successful, I'm going to, I'm going to be happy. You know, I want to, yeah. I want to help other people grow and, and, and be successful. Sure. And I want it to be a collaborative effort. You know, I started this for more than one reason. And the main reason is I, I feel like you, you almost have to go that way now to compete at the highest level. Mm -hmm. yeah, and, do. and so that's, that's kind of what I'm focusing on for the rest of this year and, and, and onward really. Yeah. Well, you know, it's um, there was a book called um, The E-Myth that was written 25, 30 years ago. And the guy talked about, you know, it's a, it's an entrepreneurial myth that people, tradespeople or people in a certain industry, just because they're good at that craft doesn't mean that they're good at the business. Right. The real difficult parts of the business, the taxes, the accounting, the, the money, the flow, all of that, you know, the admin. And so what happens is people that are really good working in their business just focus on working in their business and don't work on their business. And what you've done, you've shifted, right? You're shifting into working on your business. And that is marketing, podcast, building a team, creating synergy within a group, you know, quadrupling your resources, trying to be being prepared so when this market does shift back and there's more inventory or you've developed one or two niches in that time frame, that you're going to make sure that you and your team stay busy. That's pretty awesome. That's good. You're, you, I think you're doing it correctly. Um, it's a natural progression. And I don't know, 
it's it's neat to watch somebody do that because I've watched you since the beginning. Well, and it's it's something I want to build. I don't necessarily want to be the biggest team. I want to be the best, yeah. you know, and I want to make sure what's important to me, my values, and how I treat my clients carries over into yeah. everyone on that team. And, and that uh, really has nothing to do with volume. No. That has nothing to do with units sold. See, I used to always set my goals with, I'm going to have this many auctions. I'm going to do this many real estate transactions. We're going to do this many, this, this. And I shifted. I quit doing that five years ago. And now I talk, I talk about what I've done. So we've sold 330 cars in five years at online auction, over 100 pieces of real estate. I talk about what we've done. I focus on just getting it done, and let's talk about it later. Mm-hmm. As opposed to focusing, and I'm a, the goal setter. I'm a goal setting boy. I'm all about it. Have been since my early days of learning about Zig Ziglar back a long time ago. Um, but we get in trouble focusing so much on what's out there and it's the unknown, and we spend all that energy when we could just be here working the grind so we can get those closings. So we can say, well, yeah, you know, I don't know how many I thought I could sell, but we sold 58 units this month or this quarter or this year, whatever it's all relative you know, the time you put into it. So you just keep doing that. You just keep folks working on your business. That's why we see a lot of builders are becoming developer builders now, and they're doing both the development and the construction, like Mark Hack out at Shungate Commons. Mm -hmm. We're seeing more of that in that industry, and it's growing and changing, and that's the next step. Well, that's exactly what you're doing with your business, and that's what you do during this middle third of being in the industry. You've got a good, you're a young dude, you got good, well, middle-aged dude. you got a good <laughs> run in you. And uh, take, take full advantage of that run, you know, and, I, and you do it by investing in people. Well, and something that I've learned as well is in this business, man, you have a great year. Don't count on that being a, what you're going to do every year, you know. And yeah. in, luckily I've, I've, I'm not a person who goes out and buys flashy things. I, I'm, I'm a very conservative, cautious person with money to begin with, but I know there's a lot of people out there just getting into business and they had a great year last year and they might've spent all that money that they brought in. And this year, maybe things are down a little bit and they're thinking, gosh, what am I going to do? Yeah. So if I had one piece of advice that I could give to anybody not just in real estate, but in particular in real estate, or if you have a commission sales job, live below your means. It's hard for a lot of us to do. It's yeah. hard to do because we have a, a industry that's driven on living above your means. How oh, you can afford this mortgage. We have a, a consumption-based economy that's based on more stuff. I mean, you know, we spend more money storing the stuff that we don't want than housing the people that are homeless in this country. Right. So until that's balanced, I don't, you know, <clears throat> but you have to do those things. You have to take care of your business. You have to take care of your family and you got to keep your debt less than your, your outgo less than your income. So let me ask you where, what's your, what's your focus going forward? You know, what, and what's the auction business been like this year? And, you know, it has changed a bunch since COVID in the way we interact with people. But, and a lot of the people I deal with are, you know, 70 plus, and most of them are vaccinated. And I, you know, I've been real careful and I've met with a lot of people and we've 
try really hard to work with a lot of people who are transitioning, you know, their estates or a business that's gone down and we're going to sell that. Um, we're going to just keep doing what we're doing. I've got a good group of folks. We lost one of our main employees last year, rest in power. Mr. Chris Wilton passed away unexpectedly and he was my employee that I'd had from the very beginning um, and learned the auction business with me. And um, we're just going to keep doing that. Um, I, I would love to do more video and more podcasting and things, but um, I've got a project in Maryland that I'm working on and I've got a daughter and grandson there and uh, my two kids here and my three grandkids. My real focus is on the kids and grandkids for me for the next five, 10 years. I'm fortunate to where I know how to lead generate. I know how to hustle. We're trying to get as many cool, cool, good, profitable auctions and solve problems for people, um, teaching my team how that works. But um, for the most part, my focus is, is going to try to find that balance that will allow me to be that best papa and poppy in the business um, and the business being with my kids and my grandkids and uh, seeing them and being with them. Kids, really, grandkids, and crab cakes, right? Yeah, and crab cakes and oysters. That's that's really the that's really what's honed in on to me of what's the most important things in life. And that's because of COVID. It's because I'm fifty one. It's because I lost my dad a couple of years ago. So my mom's in long term care. And shit, man, life is fucking short. It is short. It and it gets shorter short. every day, doesn't it? It does. And so <clears throat> how in the hell I'm an old dude in this industry now. But I like it. It's, my message seems to resonate with newer agents and younger agents and all generations. But I have to. I got to work with, you know, people from, you know, teenage employees of mine to first time home buyers to Gen Z to millennials to baby boomers to Gen X to the greatest generation. And I speak all those languages. That's why I'm on TikTok. That's why I'm on Snapchat. Right. You know, it's, I communicate with multiple levels of people all day, every day. It's crazy how much I communicate with people. And that's and you have to meet people where they are, right? You got to be where they are. And if you have a child or a grandchild that only wants to communicate with you via Snapchat, you learn Snapchat. That's, that's how it works. So, I'm working on it. I know you are. I know. You'll be all right. We, you'll get your Marco Polo uh, thing uh, here in a little bit. Hey, uh, on my final question that I had that I wanted to ask you, do you have anybody in the market, not you or me, that stands out um, here in our local industry in the uh, from the agency side that um, you just wanted to say, this this agent, this person is doing a doing a good job? Oh, Wow. Um, and you're at a pretty big brokerage. I mean, a lot bigger than, yeah. I mean, there's, there are a lot really, if I, I, not one isn't popping up in my head at the moment. You kind of surprised me with well, this I question, but, out of that um, Good. I wanted to well, I, let me take a minute to brag on one of my, one of my own business partners yeah. and, and teammates, John Worley. Oh, yeah, uh, man. John just got into business last fall He's awesome, and he's killing it. Yeah. He's he killing, killing it. it. You know, uh, you know who sold John and his husband there. I do the same there? person who sold me this house. Oh, the same person <laughs> that sold Todd Paxton his first house right. at auction and Craig Everly his first house, and that's how I want to go down. I want to be known as the realtor's realtor, and um, 
you know, if you surround yourself with people like John um, and Kyle and people in this, you will, you'll, you'll go far ways. I'm glad to hear you say that about John. Yeah, there are, um, what stands out to me isn't necessarily how much someone sells, but what stands out to me is the little things when you're, when you're in a transaction with someone, um, the way they treat you, um, you submit an offer and there's 12 offers and it's a very competitive situation and kind of like an auction. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, there are agents who aren't even going to communicate with you. You're going to find out the next day when you see the house go pending that you didn't get it. And then there are agents who send you a nice email respectfully thanking you for the offer and um, just taking that time to acknowledge the work you've put in and acknowledge, um, you know, their, their gratitude for, for you bet. the buyer offering on the property and just acknowledging what the situation is and, and so, being professional. So that agent that gives you no response, they either don't know how mm -hmm. or they don't care. Exactly. And if they don't know how you can teach that if they don't care, the sooner they get out of the business for everybody, most importantly, the consumer, the better. Yeah. Yeah. I believe that. Absolutely. Um, Jeffrey Novak. I just had a deal with him at, uh, a, a month ago. He is with, oh gosh, <laughs> I believe he's with Remax here in Indiana. He's licensed in both states. He's okay. with a different agency over in Kentucky, but uh, he had the buyer on one of my listings. And and not to get into specifics, but it was a, an ex, it turned into be an extremely difficult situation. Mm -hmm. But he was an absolute dream to work with. That's awesome. He and I, I feel like we had the same types of personalities. We were working just to get the deal done and, and make sure that everyone was happy. And, uh, yeah, I want to give him a shout out. He, awesome. he, he did a great job and, um, I'd love to, I'd love to work with someone like him on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. I had a really great experience just last month with, uh, Greg bone on Troy mm -hmm. Stewart's group at Schuler Bauer ERA. And he was unbelievable. He was, he was one of the best agents I've ever done a deal with. That's awesome. And yeah. It's, uh, and you know, when you've been doing it as long as I have, when you come across folks like that, you tell them that you brag about them, especially the agents that are newer. So they can do deals with them and they can emulate them. It only makes all of us better. Yeah, absolutely. I haven't had the pleasure of doing a deal with uh, Greg yet, but I've had a few interactions with him and it's always been positive. He's a first class professional. Absolutely. Yeah. And speaking of Mr. Stiller, um, Congratulations to him on on being named one of the twenty, I think twenty under forty. Um, I just keep thinking it, he's over forty. I know I that's know what I, I mean. Troy, come I on, man! Troy. How long have you been under forty? But uh, you, we were speaking about age and time a little while ago, and that that struck me the other day when yeah. I saw that, and I was yeah. like, man, yeah. I, I'm 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 out of that group. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not I'm, under 40. I'm fighting for the over 70 <laughs> why, group now. Why we, can't, is there a, is there a, a 20 under 60? Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. 40 <laughs> under 40, 20 yeah. under 40. I never, I never got any of those. I didn't get any of those awards. Greatest award, though, that I ever did receive was the President's Award last year from Bob Murphy. I give a shout out to Bob Murphy. I love me some Bob. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, we have to, we have to be here as agents to hold each other accountable. 
And that's why I thought I got that award because I'm an advocate for agents, I stand up for agents, but also hold agents accountable. And I like, I tell them, like I always advise everybody to tell your clients, I'm not going to tell you what you want to hear. It's probably not going to happen every time, but every time I'll tell you what you need to hear. And I think that's important for us as professionals to deliver that to people because it only saves us time and effort and energy in the long run if something goes awry. Absolutely. Yeah. Tough love, right? Yeah. That's Just the that's the honest. real type of love. Be honest with people. Right. Really. Just be honest. Yeah. Be honest. But do it in a way that's, you know, you can be honest in, in a couple different ways. Oh, you tell me. <laughs> you can be an asshole. Nobody wants right. to be honest. Right. You can be an asshole or you can. I'd rather be somebody be honest yeah. with me and be, have nice delivery than right. be an asshole delivery. You can be diplomatic. Okay. I like right. that word. Right. That's good. Diplomacy. Yeah. Diplomacy. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap yeah, this man. up unless you have anything else you want to throw out there or anything that's on your mind that I, th- I you know, Glenn, I could sit here and talk for hours. <laughs> so we'll save that for another day. All right. I we'll we'll save it for another episode. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Lincoln, for joining us. And uh I want to thank you for listening and for watching. Once again, I appreciate you taking time, precious time that we talked about out of your day to listen to. Putting the Real in Real Estate, episode 18. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button on YouTube or or subscribe on whatever your favorite podcast platform is. And uh, leave me a review. I would appreciate that as well. Hope you have a great day, everyone.